I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, hello, and this is the Chaos and Cookies Podcast, and I have an amazing guest today, Randy Braun. Uh, We are talking about empowerment and uh, bold goals, and uh, I'm excited about this conversation. So uh, before uh, we dive into the episode, let me give you some information about Randy, uh, who is an expert at empowering women with demanding jobs and bold goals. As a certified executive coach and the CEO of the women's leadership firm, Something Major, she helps women thrive. Braun is a sought after thought leader and speaker that has been featured in the Washington Post, Forbes and Parents Magazine, among others. Braun has coached women globally and partnered with over 50 organizations across diverse sectors, including the Fortune 500, healthcare, startups, big law, public relations, entertainment, trade associations, government, nonprofits, and so many more others. And uh, welcome, Randy, to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm so excited, Heather. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm very excited. Uh, but before we jump in, I want to ask you our um, my icebreaker question that I ask all of my guests. Hit me. All right. So what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh, I mean, for sure. It is a chocolate chip cookie. Classic. It has to be pre-bought dough because I grew up in a house where my mom was the only working mom in the neighborhood. Um, and my favorite cookie memory probably is when I was in middle school, we went to this gymnastics class, me and my friend, Brittany, and they were living in the basement of another friend while their house was under construction. And I don't know what it is about these middle school metabolisms we've had, but we would literally dig into like a tub of pre-made cookie dough and then like go do round-offs 45 minutes later. And I just don't know. It's like a miracle that the digestive tract could handle all of that. I know it actually, I'm just like having visions of my, I, my youngest one doesn't do well with spinning. And then uh, always, <laughs> always watermelon was the one that I have in mind, but I'm like, how do you, you eat? And they go and they jump on these trampolines and things. I'm like, Oh, how, how, mm. I don't know. It's, it's like, it's a miracle, you know, file it under one of the millions of things that are a miracle every single day when it comes to kids. I remember too, like when I, before we, the thing was to walk to Sonic if we had time between like when school was out and then soccer practice at school and we'd walk to the Sonic and get a bunch of stuff. And then we would go and like run. And I'm like, what were we thinking? That was the worst idea, but we just choke it down and you're, you can hold hold it down. It's crazy. (laughs) Hold it down, baby. (laughs) Yeah, It's just like, why that would have made me so sluggish, but you know, it is what it is. So um, we apologize to anybody who is listening over their morning cup of coffee. Stay with us. (laughs) Please, please just hang in there a little longer. Um, So tell us a little bit about your background. And um, we're going to be talking all about um, demanding jobs and bold goals. And you also just um, you have a book and just hit the Wall Street bestseller list. Something major, the new playbook for uh, women at work, which is is super exciting. Uh, So congrats on that. 
Thank you. I mean, Heather, my journey from, you know, being a mom of two under three, just trying to hold it uh, all together to hitting the Wall Street Journal bestseller list is, it's just wild. And I think that any other working mom can just relate to the ways that like your life takes these twists and turns that you never expect. So, you know, I was work, I live here in Washington, DC, which is where I'm recording from today. And, you know, I had my two babies in two years and six days. And that's a time, Heather, when all the social science, all the research out there tells us that my earning potential should have either stagnated or dipped due to something called the maternity penalty. And in that time, I actually doubled my comp by getting a promotion in my first pregnancy and leaving for a bigger, better opportunity on my second mat leave when I just didn't feel like my immediate supervisor was treating me fairly. Um, and yeah, and because DC is actually the world's biggest small town, word got out around my story and people just constantly wanted like my advice. They wanted to know what I thought about something. And what I learned really quickly was that number one, people didn't want to actually hear my story. They wanted advice on writing their own. And number two was like, I didn't even really want to tell my story. I wanted to hear what was up in their life. And so I started, you know, kind of exploring coaching in earnest, ultimately got my certification, um, um, quit my day job being, you know, the director of enterprise sales for DC's largest homegrown tech startup, which just went public a few months ago and um, took my coaching business full day, full time, 100 days before the pandemic hit, um, had no idea what was going to happen in March 2020. And flash forward three years, almost to the day that the world shut down, my book hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. And I've been devoting every minute of my life since I quit my job um, to helping other women and other working moms live a life that is meaningful for them and build a career where they can thrive as a leader on their own terms. Amazing. It's and it's I'm now back into the workforce after several years and doing it as a mom is way different than just going back. And it, it, there's just so many more things you have to juggle. There's um, you're li- you're more limited when it comes to sometimes if you have like timeframes, I went back um, full force last year, uh, but I work from home, which thank you to COVID. I guess if one good thing came out of it, 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 um, allows us to work from home and be more of a working mom, but as stay at home at the same time, almost hundred percent. I mean, for me, I think that it was a funny transition because I had started working from home. And then when the world shut down, it was like all these, first off, my kids were one and a half and three and a half. My husband had just quit his super safe job at one of the world's biggest, most secure technology companies um, to be the first hire at a startup. And we just looked around and we're like, okay, Uh, We've got two little ones, no childcare. We both in the last hundred days gave up all the uncertainty. Um, We're just going to have to figure out how to make this work. And I feel like that was the spirit with which we (laughs) tried to approach it. And at the same time, I was like, Heather, I was like, why are you all in my office? Because this house is my office. Like you guys are supposed to be at work. You're supposed to be at school. Um, yes. And, oh my gosh, yes. Yes. Right. Um, and so it's been fascinating. I mean, I think that, you know, 
now that the world is more open, um, we see a lot of women who are working from home. You know, Heather, one of the biggest trends that I'm personally watching is, you know, I don't know if you know this, but working moms are the fastest growing segment of entrepreneurs. And so I'm personally, as someone who does women's leadership coaching work for a living, I'm personally fascinated about kind of the history that we're living through right now. So I could probably talk to you about that on a whole nother podcast, um, but it's something I'm definitely watching. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, there's a big boom. Everyone's either starting, I mean, entrepreneurs, a lot of people started podcasts through the pandemic. Um, I started my business in 2019, again, with the whole office thing, like you said, I had at the time, my oldest was kindergarten and when spring break hit, they just never went back. And then all of a sudden (laughs) my kindergartners and my two preschoolers were home. And I was like, then my, um, my ex-husband was, he always traveled. He was always actually in DC a lot, but he traveled all the time, every week, every other week, all of a sudden, boop, he's home too. So everyone's <laughs> home and it's like, uh, and, and I have to be teacher and we didn't really know what's going on. No one wanted to leave. And it's like, you guys are in my space, my day, my time. And now I don't know what to do. And you try to, you know, adjust, but no, everyone's kind of flying blind, almost kind of like parenting is like flying blind because every kid, right. And so, um, when you wrote this, this book that you have, that you've been dedicating so much time to something major, the new playbook for women at work. So is this geared towards all working women? Is it just geared towards, or, um, mainly towards women that are uh, working from home, single parents, all parents, those types of things. Yeah, this book is really geared towards all women who are working. And it's something that I write about from the jump in the introduction. One of my biggest gripes from how we were taught to play by this, you know, what I call the old playbook, all those rules, Heather, that women like me and you and so many of your listeners got coming up in our lives and in our careers about what we should do. um, They were so rigid and they were really meant for, you know, a certain type of woman. Um, And you, we weren't sure who exactly that type of woman was, but we had to just like hope, right, that we were her. Um, It certainly left very little room for any woman who wasn't white, for any woman who wasn't in a quote unquote traditional family structure. And um, here's the thing. What I write about in this book is to make sure that we have a diversity of perspectives when I tell stories of women who I think are embodying the new playbook for women at work. And if the old playbook, Heather, was like a looking glass, right, um, where you had to see things through one lens one way, I like to think of the new playbook as a prism. And my hope is that every woman who picks up this book, um, regardless of her origin story, her lived experience, her goals, her unique priorities, I hope that she will pick it up like a prism and be able to refract her own lived experience through it. Um, There's a reason why there's 10 chapters. There's a reason why there's about like five or six tools in each chapter. I don't want every woman, Heather, who reads this book to feel like I'm giving them a prescription for how they can thrive at work, but rather I hope that they approach the book and the tools that we're going to talk about today on the pod as more of a buffet. You know, see what's, sample what's out on the table and maybe take one, two, or three things that move the dial for you. That's how I'll know I've done my job. Absolutely. I I think that's a really important key to anything and any resource that we uh, put out or, or take on, like we can recommend all day, or this is how we have found that that works. Or these are things that um, we have found that work for others, but you have to find what's right for you. Because uh, I I say a lot, just because um, it, it works for Susie down the street, doesn't mean that 
you can't do it, but your way might look different. And that doesn't make it look bad. It doesn't make it uh, wrong. It's just, you don't know Susie's way of life and, and uh, environment and all the stigmas that are coming with it. Um, and, or um, not stigmas, but um, all the factors that are happening to her and her daily life. We don't know what happens close behind closed doors. So that's what works for her. So your way might look different and that doesn't make it wrong. And when we play the like comparison game, maybe on social or um, looking and I know it's toxic these days or watching. It's so um, toxic. It is. And it's, 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 that's became, that became very important when we were starting businesses or having connection during COVID, because that's the only way we could. But now that everything's almost, you know, back to normal uh, when it comes to at least going places and having human interaction, I feel like it, it doesn't play as big of a role as it did, uh, you know, a year or two ago. And so it's important. Well, Heather, a hundred percent. I'm going to jump in. I'm just sitting here laughing because I just heard a kid yelling. And my first initial response was like, my body just like tensed up. It was like, my kids, what's going on? Are they going to interrupt the conversation? Like whatever, it'd be human if they did. And then I just realized it was like, oh wait, that's outside. That's not my kid. And the first place that I went to was compassion (laughs) because I don't know what's going on out there. But all I know is that there's probably a really good parent or competent caregiver out there and a kid who's just being a kid. You know what I mean? I always say when my kids are on good behavior, it's a positive reflection of my parenting. When my kids are not on good behavior, it has nothing to do with me. They're just having age-appropriate behavior. So to the extent that that resonates with anyone who's listening, um, I have a big smile on my face. Take that with you. And it's also a safe place when they can uh, act out and, and let loose. It's actually a safe place because they feel like they can release because they are in such good behavior, you know, when they're out in public and doing their, you know, doing all that. Um, and so I, when you said that about uh, empathy, you know, like on airplanes, um, mm-hmm. we always feel as parents, if you have the crying baby, which we've all been there, I've, I've been a drilled my kid and then it did the opposite. And then he passed out like <laughs> on a label. I'm like, no, no, this was opposite of what was supposed to happen. And, um, you apologize to the people around you. And honestly, it's when I hear those crying kids now, it's like, A, I'm grateful. It's not me. Cause I'm like, man, but B it's like, man, that sucks. That poor child yeah. there's hurt or something like that. Maybe they're scared, but I also feel for the parents because they're embarrassed or they're just trying to make it be- you know, go away and you have empathy for them. And so when people, uh, apologize, you're like, been there, done that. No worries. You know, you got it. Totally. And, and one thing, one more thing I'll just say on this, Heather, is um, a few months ago, I was flying back from uh, Los Angeles to DC, which is a pretty long flight by myself with my two kids. And the flight went amazingly well. Like I was so, I, I felt like I was like brought my best patient self. My kids were on their best behavior. Like if I could clone them on every flight to be like this, I would never have anxiety about flying with them. And what struck me was as I got off the flight, like it lands the, the, the thing chimes and everyone rushes up to get their bags. The amount of people who came up to me to comment on how good my parenting was or how good my, my kids were, it incensed me because it just reminded me that like as a parent, my behavior is always on display for public consumption. And, and it, it immediately took all the joy I had about having a stress-free flight by just kind of pissing me off and being yeah. like, why can't you just mind your own business? Like I want to parent, the way I parent my kids, like it's actually none of your business. 
Um, but you know, one thing I would also add here, Heather, is um, there's a child psychologist named Claire Lerner who I absolutely positively love. Um, you should absolutely have her on the pod sometime if I may be so bold. Um, but you know, Claire said this thing years ago when we were doing an event in like the you know dead middle of COVID about parenting together, and she said, you know, boundaries are safe and boundaries are loving. And it just was such a mic drop moment for me and the other women who were in the room, because in that moment, we all realized it's like, wait, we're talking about our kids, but it's like, as women, like we need boundaries. Boundaries are safe for us. Boundaries are loving for us. And so I think there are so many fascinating links between parenting and the work world. Oh, yes. And, and we were discussing this before we hopped on, you have to also align yourself with the, the people that you want to align with. And if, if their values are, or if they can't um, be okay with some of the things that happen, then maybe it's just not the person that you should be aligning with anyway. Um, 100%. I was at a, a conference a couple of years ago and there was a speaker and her name's Ricky and she's a, a, a music producer. And she said, she even told, she walked into the room and she put her cell phone down. She goes, listen, I have kids. If my kids call, I will pick it up. If it's somebody else, you've got my full attention. But if my child needs something, I will get up and I will interrupt the, the meeting. And if you're not okay with that, then maybe we shouldn't, you know, be doing business together and setting those boundaries and setting those expectations because you can try and look perfect or, you know, at the end of the day, you, things happen, life happens to everyone and you can't just be a robot. And other people need to understand that at the same time. Um, 100%. It, it is, especially with women. And I don't want to, there's no excuse because I think men too, I mean, things happen. But I remember when I was interviewing for the current position I have, the question came up of how will you juggle when you're a mom? And I'm like being asked this by someone who is a mom. And I was just like, I don't think that this is what she means. Cause I'm pretty sure that that's like, I'm like, you just make it happen, but it's just like, yeah, this is what it's going to look like. This is, this is where I'm at. And you know, this is what my afternoon will look like. And this is, you know, but as long as I get the job done, I don't think it really matters. Right. As long as you're performing. And it was a, a, a job that they asked me to interview for actually, I didn't even apply. And I said, well, th- let me just give you the, the reality of the state of affairs here. You know, I'm in the middle of three life changes, have three kids that I'm the only person that can pretty much up and go. And it, it is what it is. But as long as, you know, I'm a hard worker and you just, that's what the modern looks like. You, nine to five yeah. doesn't the same anymore. I mean, I don't know, Heather, that question would have really turned me off. Um, it did for a minute. It did. And I had a really big I was like, I don't know. And then of course, like we talked about it and she's like, I, you know, we did not mean it that way. Like, you know, I was just like trying to figure out how you would be able to, you know, if you would be okay with stopping your day at round two, when you had to go pick up the kids and then pick them back up, like, what's that going to look like for you? I don't want you to make it, make you feel like you're more pressure to get X, Y, Z done. So it was just, it was just bad delivery. Um, mm. But it did, it was like, I don't know. I don't think I want that job. I don't want to work for that person. And now we're great friends. And have it. We're good. So, but awesome. But, but it does like, if you don't have that and I never had those, um, more, I was never really that much outspoken. I was very controlled and I was very just like timid and didn't want to make anyone mad, very people pleaser. Cause I was in not such a great, uh, situation now that I'm out and I'm me and I've, you know, 
completely independent, which is really weird. Not really ever since like college, I was really independent. Uh, I now have like opinions. I push back and have a voice and want to be heard. And sometimes my delivery is not the greatest, but I'm learning, but it's very important for women, especially to speak up when you don't agree with it. I could have just been like nodding it and being like, well, you know, I'm just gonna have to figure it out or, you know, pretend it's, you know, pretend it's not really a, a big deal in my life. But I was like, no, this, this is a reality because it's going to come up at some point. Right. And to be um, okay with those things. A hundred percent. And one thing that I would just add here is, you know, in my book, I dedicate an entire chapter to owning our message. And I think that sometimes as women, we self-censor and we over edit, especially as moms. And my greatest wish for women, you know, when I think about this new playbook for women at work, is that we are able to authentically tap into our ideas, our impact, our contributions, our opinions, and find ways to share them directly, not because we are quote unquote assertive or aggressive, but because we have so much to offer. We have so much to offer. And I find too often women are minimizing their contributions in the workplace by using hedge language like just or sorry or suggesting an idea like a question like, have we ever thought about XYZ or cutting themselves down like, hey, you all probably know more about this topic than I do. And in my book, I talk about 16 things I forbid women to say at work that I think is really lowering the volume on our message. So I love that you're finding your voice. And I hope that every woman who's listening to this pod will feel inspired to do the same. Absolutely. And I, I read that in your bio. So what are some of the things that you, you know, you forbid them to say? Give us yeah, absolutely. So there's 16 of them. I just walked you through a few examples, like hedge words, like just or actually. But the one I would say is the single most important is rethinking the way that we use sorry. Too often, Heather, we use sorry when what we really meant was hello, excuse me, thank you for waiting, um, thank you for sending this email. I think we need to start saying sorry when we're truly apologetic for harming, hurting embarrassing somebody, like those are the only times we should be saying sorry. So instead of saying sorry for the delay when it took you an hour or a day to get back to someone on something that was not urgent, I like to reply with either just the answer or if you absolutely must, thanks for your patience, right? But I don't want you to say that if you just got an email an hour ago, maybe the email has been sitting there for four or five days, then I might want to say, thanks so much for your patience while I looked into this. So we need to stop saying sorry when we're not actually apologetic for anything. Yeah. And it was not an action. Um, I'm working on that. I have a parenting coach through um, when I was going through a divorce, we both had to go through one to to deal with whatever. And so they help tremendously and saying you're sorry, even to your child for something that you didn't do, you're not responsible for. And it's how they're feeling. Even using sorry for that is um, something modeling as well, because it's like, you're showing that you, for some reason are sorry for something that was not even in your control, nothing that you did. And you have to rephrase it and really. Yeah. And it's, it's about being authentic, right? One of my kids is going through this phase right now where if they, and I have a four and a half year old and a six year old, and one of my kids is going through this phase right now where they're like, if they don't like what I tell them, you're a mean mommy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, as we've already covered, like setting boundaries, so loving, that's part of my job. And so instead of saying, I'm sorry, I have to take away this thing for you, or I'm sorry, it's time for bed. I'm not sorry, it's time for bed. 
I'm not sorry that I have to take away the ball that you're throwing inside, even though I asked you three times to stop throwing the ball inside. So what I've been doing instead is just getting down to their level, Heather, and saying to them, I'm really sorry that this feels disappointing to you, but it's my job to explain to you what the rules are. So let me explain them to you and you're allowed to be disappointed without me being mean. Right. It, and it's so, and I'm, I'm right there with you. I have almost six year old that that's just, they get to that big kid age, right? That four and a half, five. And Ugh. I, my, my sister is going through something. Actually, her son just turned five last month um, or actually last week. And so um, she's getting that whole, like, you're a mean mommy, or I don't love you, which is crushing to hear, but you have to remember that it's just a phase. Um, I got one that I was like losing, losing my mind. I was, I was very much just reactive. And I think, I, I think I just, I, I think I took something away. There was a consequence or something. And my five-year-old turned to my seven-year-old. We need a new mom. Oof. I was like, I was like, excuse me. And he's like, well, you said you did it. I said, no, yeah, exactly. Cause you were doing X, Y, Z and it's not appropriate. And it's, it's just not like, is that right or wrong? And so it's just like, but good luck finding a new mom. That's going to tolerate that too. Like, it's just like, go, 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 go find a new mom. See how far it gets you, you know, but you know, it's so funny. It's like, it's like, we all feel that. Right. And I think that What's interesting for me is that I feel like when it comes to our kids, we have this level of perspective in my experience that we like don't have for like our bosses or the colleagues who are being toxic around us. Like, you know, I like sometimes like our kids can like say things that like, you know, feel hurtful or are ridiculous. And we're able to have the perspective and zoom out. One of the things I see so often with the women that I work with in my coaching practice is like, they have that boss or they have that colleague who is the equivalent of like the patch, like the, the petulant toddler um, or like the ridiculous kindergartner who like thinks that they have this inflated sense of self. And I think that, you know, for us, Heather, what we're articulating is like so easy to set the boundaries with our kids, right? And I really want more women to feel empowered to set boundaries at work. It is okay to say no. Um, one of my favorite ways to say no at work is to say yes and. So I want to um, just reiterate that anyone who is listening can say no at work. Like you are allowed to say no. But if you're someone like the many women I've coached over the years for whom saying no feels difficult, I encourage you to borrow the golden rule of improv, which is to use the term yes and. So oftentimes, you know, we get something, Heather, and we just can't put it on our plate, but it, it's hard to say no. I like to say, Heather, yes, I would be happy to help with this project. And let's sit down next week to talk about what the priorities are for Q2, because I just want to make sure that I'm allocating the right amount of prioritization to all the tasks on my plate. Or yes, I'd be happy to help you with this. And I'm on a major deadline this week. I'll be glad to turn to it and meet with you on Monday to discuss it. I think it's totally okay to use yes and. And it's just a little life hack that I like to use when saying no is critical but feels difficult. So where did you learn all of these skills? Is it just like testing and tracking and tweaking it as you were um, working through the workforce or is it, um, you know, other coaches or where did you find these? Cause it's all very positive. You have a very great, it's a great delivery and it's very oh, great. No, it's wonderful. And, and you have to also it exudes confidence, which some, some may lack. Yeah. You know, um, 
It's so funny. No one has asked me this question before. And I would say it comes from a few places. But one of the biggest places I want to kind of flag is that I grew up professionally, Heather, in sales and business development. And before I had my own business, before I had my own coaching firm, something major, I cut my teeth as, you know, a business development person. And that meant, especially in one of the jobs that I had in my 20s, I flew all over the country and I would sit as a 20-something-year-old woman in a room, often a conference table, with 50, 60-year-old men. Men at the time who are probably old enough to be my father. And if that doesn't teach you everything you need to know about power dynamics, nothing will. So I learned how to hold my own. I learned how to not get steamrolled. I learned how to negotiate. I learned how to be really comfortable talking about money and really comfortable setting expectations. Um, so I think it's one part that, you know, I think my parents instilled in me a lot of confidence. I was so grateful to have a dad who really made me feel like my ideas and my contributions were worthwhile. Um, and a mom who taught me how to love myself. Um, and then just over the years, what inspired me to write, the, and by the way, I'm also like, like an incredible, like, um, like I'm a voracious reader and consumer of information. So my book is actually chock full of not just my own ideas and, and great stories, um, but so much academic research that backs up a lot of the ideas and the stories that I talk about in this book. But, you know, like, finally, it's just like, I wrote this book because I want to make these ideas, these stories, whether it's a story about a woman who I tell um, in the book or whether it's like one of my own stories or ideas or frameworks, I want this to be accessible to women. Um, you know, the professional and personal experiences I've had over the years have been a gift. I also talk at length in the book about a lot of my own vulnerable stories, times I got it wrong. Um, I want women to feel like we're not alone and we can crowdsource our best ideas. Oh, I want, uh, that's, that's amazing. And it's, it sounds like a fantastic book and, um, you've been amazing as well. I've, this has been a, a lot of fun and very, um, eye-opening and I, we, this is a common topic, but it's a great perspective that we haven't on this podcast explored much. And so uh, I, I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and sharing your tips because I'm going to take those with me as well. Um, cause I think it's, it's very important. And, uh, so thank you for that. Well, thank you for having me. It's been such a delight. Absolutely. And so can you tell us where we, uh, and the listeners where we can find your book and everything will be in the show notes for the listeners and we'll have links, but just so you can verbally tell us if there's anywhere that we can follow you on social or website, all that. There are three places where you can get in touch with me and my work. Um, The first is on my website, somethingmajorcoaching.com, which has so many free events and free articles if you're looking to dig into these topics more. The second is on social media. You can follow me either on LinkedIn, where I'm Randy with an I, Braun, or on TikTok and Instagram, where I'm Something Major Coaching. And finally, the last place you can find me is on Amazon, where you can order Something Major, the new playbook for women at work on Amazon Prime. Awesome. And I really do appreciate um, you being here and everyone should go and take a look at this book. It made the Wall Street bestseller list. Um, Randy is um, a delight and an amazing woman. And I'm so excited to have you on and thank you again for being here and sharing everything with us. Thanks for having me, Heather. Absolutely. And thank you listeners for listening to another episode. I hope you guys feel empowered. I hope you feel like you have a new perspective on working women and maybe some, some different, um, tactics you can now use at work and go check out her book and, uh, we'll catch you on the next episode of the chaos and cookies podcast.
Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.